powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports Station. Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Rost. Here we go now. A lot of quarterback needy teams in the NFL this year. Some of them will find the answer in the draft, but not all of these guys are going to get a chance to draft in the top five or even in the top ten. So let's go through some of the quarterback needy teams in the NFL from Bill Barnwell for this reason. Could any of these teams tempt Geno Smith or free agent Drew Locke away from Seattle? And also, just out of curiosity, where does Seattle rank on a list of quarterback needy teams? Because they are on this list. Um Bump, I know you know the answer. Where would you guess before knowing the answer? Or where did you guess before knowing the answer? Well, let me start by saying this list confuses me in some spots. Okay. Um, oh, I like that already. But I would good tease, guess good tease. that the Hawks are seven, eight. The Hawks are number four. The Seahawks are number four on the list of ideal destinations for quarterbacks, in part because they've got some great weapons. The only knock that Bill Barnwell gives them is location. Um, First of all, don't hate on the Pacific Northwest, also Washington. No income tax, but you do have the most travel miles of any other team in the NFL, for that matter, in any major sport. So that is a bummer. Um, However, he says that he does believe that they're going to hang on to uh, both veterans, Drew Locke and, and Gino. So maybe they don't deserve to be on this list but the number one destination for any free agent quarterback this is the most interesting one to me san francisco the san francisco 49ers on this list why well because brock purdy who was their starter to end the season is going to have maybe surgery to repair uh, a tear in his ucl tbd there were some mixed reports one that he was going to have Tommy John, another that he wasn't. So I'm not going to report definitively on either other than to say he has a UCL injury and will be gone a minimum of six months. You've got Trey Lance who's coming back and then you've got Jimmy G who's moving on. You have no idea what you have with Trey Lance still. No idea. And the reason why San Francisco is the most attractive is because they're ready to go. They are ready to go. <laughs> they got a defense They have an offense. They have one of the best coaches in the game. They've shown that they can win with their number three quarterback. Tried to win with number four, but he got knocked out the game. The San Francisco 49ers are legitimately a quarterback away Mm -hmm. from going to the Super Bowl. They They almost went there with a number three. So, yeah, that makes sense that San Francisco is the most attractive. And it's not to take away from Brock Purdy who, as we learned in that game, not just anyone can randomly be thrown into a game and play well, right? But you do wonder how far San Francisco could have gotten with a tested veteran rather than a rookie, right? Like, what does San Francisco look like if they had Geno? What does San Francisco look like with Derek Carr? What does San Francisco look like if Jimmy G remained healthy? If San Francisco had Geno, they're playing for the Super Bowl right now. They are playing for the Super Bowl. You know why? Because he's going to run that offense. He's going to get the ball out quickly. He's not going to feel pressure to have to win a ball game, but he's good enough to win a ball game. Yes. In terms of the second part of my question for this entire segment, which is will any of these um, locations tempt Gino or Drew away from Seattle? I can't see either going with San Francisco. No, I can't see it. I I can't see it either. What if, man? I'd be messed up. I know. How dare you? I'd be like, I never said a word defending Geno Smith on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Number two destination, according to ESPN's Bill Barnwell, the Vegas Raiders. The Raiders don't have a great defense. In fact, during Derek Carr's time there, never had above a number 20 ranked defense. So they've got some work to do. 
but they have a great location. They have a great stadium. Great location. And they've got Adams. <laughs> yeah. And if you're a Looks veteran, back. they need a veteran quarterback. You don't need no young man who's got money in his pocket for the first time because Las Vegas is full of temptation. You need a guy who's established, who yeah. knows who he is, who can control himself in that situation. Maybe but like yeah. married with kids. He's just trying to go home and nap. Yeah. You, know, you know what I mean? You know what you need? You need a, you need a Someone who a, naps. Hey, Oscar Hernandez That's type of quarterback. You need, Someone you need who's need like, it's 3 p.m. and I'm tired. Like, I'm tired, man. Practice is I'm over. Tired. Let's just go home. You just want to watch Netflix. But you got a run game. You got Josh Jacobs. You got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. You got Darren Waller at the receiver spot. Excuse me, tight end spot. The knock is you got to put up some points because that defense is not stellar at all. But Vegas. I, I see it. Very attractive. I've already listed an NFC team because San Francisco tops this list. But here's another reason I like the list and the conversation. We've been wondering what the NFC is going to look like in 2023. There are arguably a few teams that with a quarterback and maybe one other great player or a little bit of a shift could be really competitive. Also on this list at number three, Atlanta. Pros, young receivers, a great run game, cap space. Also, they play indoors. So congratulations uh, on all of your deep passing attempts. <laughs> no are, are they, wind, no rain. You think they're giving up on Desmond Ritter? He didn't really have no, a, a but clear I think shot. I think that the idea might be, I, I think that every other NFC team is going to be talking about this conference in the way that we are today. Hey, it's up for grabs. You can, well, you especially can. in the NFC South, yeah. the first team of those four to find a quarterback is going to be your favorite to win that Exactly. Division. So you might say, hey, we like Dennis Ritter. We're going to see what he's got. Let him but, chill for a little bit. But if we think that we could get to the playoffs right now, and that's the thing. For, for fans, you think like, oh, I'd rather not get to the playoffs and get a higher draft pick than be mediocre. For head coaches, for GMs, the longer you're out of the playoffs, the more job insecurity mm-hmm. you're feeling mm-hmm. so it is imperative that you make the playoffs yeah and i could see desmond ritter sitting for a while when he was under center he made a couple of plays but you can tell he hadn't grasped the game yet the offense yet so i can understand that let him sit you get rid of marcus Mariota. And um, you bring in a veteran to go because they got some receivers over there, man. You got Kyle Pitts. You got Drake London. Uh, Patterson will run the ball for you. Atlanta, it's not – you look at their record and you say, uh, no big deal. But you mm-hmm. look at the roster and the talent that they have, yeah. you might be able to work with some. Also, cap space. Cap space. Mm. They could get much better, too. It's kind of like when we were talking about the Mariners, and it's like every other team in your division wants to get better as well. <laughs> Obviously, Atlanta not in Seattle's division, but it's in the NFC. They could be competitive in a non-competitive division, like you said, Curtis. Uh, all right, number four is Seattle. I don't want to spend too much time on it. I will say this, though. We've talked so much about bringing back Geno Smith. We've talked a little bit about making sure that you've got – Drew Locke and what if he's your starter we've kind of talked about what you might do at number five you weren't a fan of a mock that had Will Levis there and and mm-hmm. you love the options in 2024 more so than 2023 what we have not talked a ton about is the potential of one of these veteran free agents coming to Seattle number four on the list do you see Jimmy G here do you see Heck Derek no. Carr here this ain't this ain't 2022 <laughs> if this is 2022 I'm saying come on Jimmy Come on, Baker. No, I, I, I like Gino. I like where he is right now. I think you, you're going to have to get a quarterback or draft a quarterback to come in here and just be there and hopefully um, develop. But right now, no, you got to ride with Gino, man. You do everything you can to keep this dude in, in, unless he's asking for $35, $40 million, which yes. I don't think he will because I don't think he's worth that much. Roll with Gino, number five pick, get the best defensive player that plays in the box. Uh, All right, we got back-to-back teams in the NFC South. Number five, Tampa Bay. Obviously, it's great weather, great receivers. Um, 
a good offensive line once they're all healthy, you've got to figure out your offensive coordinator situation. But you can also walk into a starting job. Yeah, and you look at the weapons over there. They're getting, they're getting up there in age. They are. They're getting well, as older. As my uncle would say, they're getting long in the tooth over there in Tampa when it comes to your weapons. Evans has been great. What, eight, nine straight seasons, over 1,000 yards. You can roll with that. But um, I don't know. I feel like Tampa Bay had its window, and it's gone now. And I think it's going to be a few more years before they can get back um, to doing what we saw with yeah. Tom Brady, you got 2,000-yard receivers over there and Chris Godwin as well. But Tom made that thing go. You need a veteran quarterback who's a step. Like, only an Aaron Rodgers, I feel like, is going to bring this team back to what we saw a couple of years ago. Young guys is not going to do it. Well, and here's another thing that they're facing is even though they're in a horrible division, the other teams in their division uh, have either a really promising young talent, uh, like the team I'm about to to get to, uh, or they have good draft capital, like the Panthers could find their quarterback in the draft this mm-hmm. year. But let's move on to team number six, the New Orleans Saints. Chris Olave should be in the conversation for Rookie of the Year as well. He's right. not. It's between Garrett Wilson and Ken Walker, Brock Purdy. Um, Brock but, Purdy. Brock Purdy, I know. But um, Olave was wonderful this year, and uh, you also are playing in a dome. You're in a weak division. The problem is that they are in salary cap hell. You know what I like? I like you describe him as wonderful. I'm going to start describing really good receivers as wonderful. He's a wonderful He's receiver. He's a wonderful receiver. I like that. Yeah. But the thing that's hurting him is what in, in New Orleans? Cap, cap. space. Ain't and, got no money. Well, you want to talk about the receiving weapons you have. Michael Thomas might be a cap casualty. Yeah, I think Michael Thomas, it's, it's a wrap for him. Yeah. I don't think he comes back. It's crazy how sometimes these athletes get their money and then just things happen. They get banged up. Their mental's different. Uh I wish I had that problem. I ain't got enough money to be uh, complacent in life, all right? But you look at New Orleans and just their weapons in general, man. You got Alvin. You have Taysom Hill. Receiving-wise, you have uh, Alave like we spoke of. Maybe Michael Thomas. We'll see what happens there. You play indoors, controlled environment. Your division isn't very good. Mm-hmm. If they could afford a veteran, a veteran quarterback, this would be a beautiful place to be. Well, what do you think about this spot? You've got a candidate for Rookie of the Year in Garrett Wilson. You've got a brand-new offensive coordinator who was recently a head coach and has been an offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers. And you've got uh, a, a head coach who was really, really successful with an NFC team that is the New York Jets you are going there they've got a great young defense with Sauce Gardner who could be defensive rookie of the year Uh, they could have defensive and offensive rookie of the year now there's some other stuff to think about do you have a great offensive line do you have all the weapons like who do you have outside of Wilson I mean you could have a healthy a healthy Brees Hall but you could probably use another uh, weapon there Um, and also like what's the situation like with Zach Wilson (laughs) Right. I mean, I don't. I think he's done as their starter, but it's kind of a tense situation to step into. If you're Aaron Rodgers, you're not worried about it. If you're a younger quarterback or if you're Jimmy G, you're like, well, shoot. I mean, my job isn't completely secure. Yeah, the, the Jets are attractive because of the things you mentioned, their defense. You could win with a very good defense, and I think because they have a defensive-minded head coach and Salah over there, they're going to continue to grow. I mean – What's the kid's name? Sauce Gardner had himself a good year, even though I think that interceptions are more important than passes defended. Um, that's a side note. Mm-hmm. Advocating for my guy, Tariq, over there. But I look at the Jets and I go, it's a veteran quarterback. But most, I mean, most situations you want a veteran quarterback. You don't want a young guy to come in and try to save the day. If Brees Hall is healthy, to have a good running, a running back situation. The thing with the New York Jets, do they have offensive coordinator yet? 
Yeah, uh, Hackett. Hackett. All right, you hire Hackett. What's the vibe going to be like over there with Hackett? We've seen him have some good years with the Green Bay Packers. Mm -hmm. You go over to the Denver Broncos, and now he has some stank on him. But let's remember, some guys aren't built out to be head coaches. They're better as coordinators. I think Nathaniel Hackett is that, and that's why I think that Aaron is sitting back and thinking, hey, maybe. And the the Jets, they got a history with old quarterbacks. Old Brett Favre went over there and did his thing. I'm going to combine that team with the next two teams. When we talk about teams that could lurge, you know, or drew away or tempt one of your veteran quarterbacks away who's now a free agent, I'm including these three teams for uh, one main reason. So you've got the New York Jets, the Giants, the Commanders. Mm -hmm. None of those teams have a set in stone quarterback for next year, this upcoming season. Uh, Those teams have made it clear that they want that quarterback. And in the case of the Jets, have made it clear they're willing to spend big in free agency. And none of those teams are going to be picking in the top 10 of the NFL draft where they could have a shot at Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud or Will Levis. Um, You're just not going to be able to get that guy. So you aren't going to be able to draft a young quarterback in the top 10. You're going to have to spend in free agency to at least get some help. I think when we talk about, like, who's going to pay Gino that money? Who's going to pay Drew? I think that these are the kind of teams you're looking at. Commanders, Jets, Giants. I don't know about a reunion between Gino and the Jets, but, hey, they're looking for a veteran help. And I like, if Gino were to leave, I like the Carolina Panthers, honestly. Um, Yeah. You love Frank Reich is going to be over there. He did wonders with with Luck and Brissett. He had both of those, right? Uh, Luck and Brissett in the run game. I mean, their run game is filthy. We saw what they did to uh, the Seattle Seahawks. So if I had to pick between those three teams of where Geno uh, would be the best fit, obviously it's the 49ers Mm -hmm. if they were to grab them. Mm -hmm. But I look at the Carolina Panthers, and I'm thinking, okay, let's go. You have a quarterback who has dealt with veteran – excuse me, you have a a head coach who has dealt with veteran quarterbacks before. You have Mm -hmm. a good run game over there. And, again, you are in the weakest division in the league. Exactly. All of those NFC South teams are going to be desperately looking to improve as soon as possible, knowing they can win their division if they take even a small step forward, potentially. The Carolina Panthers are drafting at number nine overall. That could put them out completely of the conversation for uh, one of the top three quarterbacks. Or... They could trade up because don't forget that the Chicago Bears don't need a quarterback. They got Justin Fields. I mean, the Chicago Bears need help defensively, and the Bears know that there's going to be teams willing to trade for that spot to get a quarterback. Carolina's going to get Levis. That's what I'm saying. I'm Carolina's like, going to get Levis. Carolina could easily trade somewhere. Do they trade with Seattle, right? Like, if both defensive guys are gone, um, if there's still quarterbacks available uh, and some defensive guys they'd settle with. Like, does Seattle trade back from five with Carolina at nine? I, I just think Carolina could be in the mix for one of the young quarterbacks. I see them as the most tempting uh, option uh, or a tempting option, I agree, for Geno. Um, but I also think that they might make a move mm-hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, let's round out this list uh, very quickly here before we get to headline rewrites. Uh, the Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts are last. <laughs> well, don't, last. The Colts don't are drafting fourth, and the, the Texans are second. The Titans, though. So. Oh, I, and the Titans. I think, I think Titans. Trey Lance is going to go to the Titans. I think Trey Lance is going to the Titans. I think that Houston Texans are going to draft their quarterback. It's going to be a long process over there for them. Yeah. And then the Indianapolis Colts have absolutely Oof. nothing to offer you at this point. Well, thankfully, the Indianapolis Colts and Texans are drafting top four. So if they're looking for that quarterback, that's when you go get them. Let's get to headline rewrites. Headline rewrites. We must make headlines. The real story behind the headlines in today's news with Bob and Stacey. 
Headline number one, the Mariners, they tried to sneak this one by us yesterday. They sure did. The audacity. uh, Right in front of our very faces. They've agreed to a three-year extension with utility guy Dylan Moore. What's the real headline? Colton Wong will indeed platoon at second. And JP just got a little flexibility at shortstop. Now, we knew already that Dylan Moore could play uh, pretty much any of the infield spots. I mean, he is the ultimate utility guy. You can use him in the outfield. You can use him at short. You can use him at second. I think that there were some people who saw Colton Wong as being more of your everyday second baseman. I think it's clear that when the Mariners say platoon, they mean platoon, and they're probably going to base that on some pitching matchups. But also really important to note that JP played a lot of of games. Yep. A lot of games last year and probably could have used some more days off. This also allows you to give JP some breaks. JP needs some breaks, man. He needs some breaks. He played a lot. You kind of see saw him wear down towards the end of the season. So you got to protect him and make sure he's good to go. I love the signing of the Demo. You mentioned all the positions he could play out there. I guarantee you if they ran out of pitchers or something, they throw Demo on the mound and say, "You know what? Go ahead and toss a couple um pitches up there." But no, I like it, man. Cold Wong. I mean, this is one of the things that the Mariners have been hollering at us to be true. Yeah. Is that they're going to platoon at second base. Demo's going to be there. Colton Wong is going to be there as well. I'm, I like it, man. Extend the man. He's had some good moments last year. Yeah. Can I say something kind of mean? Whoa. I know. All right. Well, I would never normally call out a listener. This is a this is a friendly teaching. A specific listener? Not by name. Oh. But someone one time was arguing with Bump about Colton Wong. Do you remember this? Mm. Whether or not he'd platoon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. And they were like, well, we'll see. And you were like, well, no, we know that he's going to platoon because Jerry told us. And they were like, we'll see. We'll see. And (laughs) I don't mean to be rude, but I've been saying we'll see for stuff that's just definitively going to be true. Like, like, uh, hey, the Super Bowl is going to be between the Eagles and Chiefs. We'll Uh, see. see. (laughs) Can't stop saying. "Eh, Just going to have to wait and find out. Yeah, yeah. We'll wait and oh, see. he said he's going to keep receipts, too. Holla at your boy. Text me. You said you're going to keep the receipts. But hey, also, I, thank you for love, listening though. and texting. Oh, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is all love. It's all but love. I will let you know you have inspired an inside joke <laughs> specifically for me with just, yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Yeah, It's all love. Yeah. All love. <laughs> Baseball season starting a bit. Yeah. Headline, we rocks. We'll wait and find out. We'll see. <laughs> Headline number two, Kyle Shanahan says he does not see a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo returns to the team in uh, 2023. What's the real headline? Which means I see a scenario where Jimmy Garoppolo is suiting up for the Raiders. The My Raiders. Prediction. Your prediction is the Raiders. Mine is the Texans. Okay. You got D'Amico Ryan's over there. And what do you do when you get hired? You start bringing familiarity with you. You I need some people who have your back. You decorate the desk? Yeah. Okay. Well, me personally, I start hiring the boys. <laughs> okay. Not not all of them. You need some guys who are going to hold you accountable. But you have to have some type of familiarity. And that's why I think that if he doesn't go there, they're at least going to take a look at Jimmy and be like, look, we're going to draft a quarterback. Mm-hmm. If the Texans do not draft a quarterback, it's going to be the dumbest move I've seen in a very long time uh, by a franchise with a number two pick. So what do you do? You bring Jimmy over there in a friendly little contract and say, hold us down for a year or two. Headline rewrites. Headline number three: Luis Castillo will not pitch for the Dominican Republic in next month's World Baseball Classic. What's the real headline? That sound you're hearing now is Mariners fans breathing a sigh of relief. To my Dominicanos, <laughs> lo siento. We're to sorry. my, I mean, sorry. To the Mariners fans, let's go, man. You got to make sure this guy is healthy and good to go. And the, the Dominican. 
they might win this thing without Castillo. Have you seen their lineup? Goodness gracious. I know. Unreal. It's like half of the Astros is on that team. They are in general. Goodness. Like it's it's probably the most talented roster out there right now. But uh yeah, man, selfishly, I'm happy. Thank you, Castillo. You made a business decision and, yeah. and I think he realizes how important he is to this this organization and how close they are from being something really good. So uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Take Julio off the table, who would be the answer for all three of us uh, and for every single listener. Which player are you most excited to see in 2023? Like you just think like, oh, my God, I'm going to love watching this guy. It's Castillo. Right? I was thinking that when we were talking. I was like, you know what? My answer might be Luis Castillo. He's just had filthy stuff. Curtis, what about you? We get a full year of him. Yeah. Uh, Boy. You can I'm, be. A, you I'm, can do the odd be, one out. You want to be con- contrarian? Yeah, here? be a contrarian. Let's say George Kirby. Okay. He has that dog in him. Yeah, okay, he does. as we saw in Game Three of yeah. the ALDS, that dude was built for the moment, and to get him over the course of an entire season. Now, obviously, you got to kind of watch the wear and tear on his arm after he pitched more than he had ever done so last year. But I think he is uh, going to be a very big piece to this rotation in 2023. Yeah. What about Gilbert? Do you see both think, of them yeah. taking another big step? I think so. I, I, I didn't see anything from them last year that would indicate a fall off. I think Gilbert got better, especially Gilbert had that tough stretch in the middle part of the season and then rebounded really nicely in the months of late or in like late August, early September. And he was back to his normal yeah. self. Uh, I think that was a very good sign where he was facing adversity, was able to overcome it. Uh, I think Logan Gilbert is going to be a very, very important part of this rotation. Too. All right, wanna, you had a pitcher. Curtis had two. What if uh, you had to, Oh, yeah. So I know I want to see the other Castillo and his adjustments Diego. with the pitch clock. Oh. Pitch clock. <laughs> no. uh, Bump, what if you had to pick, again, non-Julio, someone in the lineup? That um that you are most excited, like not even like oh, like I'm personally excited to hear about uh, Jared in camp. Oh, the uh, or in spring oh, training. See the rotation. Uh, I yeah. would go. With- no, 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 no. Sorry. And so Gio, Gio Suarez, or Teo, 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 Teo Hernandez. Yeah, he's gonna hit some bombs. <laughs> I am a little bit nervous about the idea of it's not a hitter friendly park, and I do think that it might be frustrating for a lot of free agents that come here or guys that are traded to be like, why aren't why aren't these becoming home runs? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, up here. You would just see Jesse Winker at times. Like he, well, he was like nodding, like, yeah, let's go. And then it was like he looked confused about like, why wasn't that just a home run? Well, and I think a big reason why the Mariners specifically went after Teoscar Hernandez and, and moved on from Jesse Winker is that Teoscar Hernandez hits way more no doubts than Jesse yeah. Winker. Yeah. Jesse Winker, a lot of his balls died down at the warning track last year, whereas Hernandez is among the the hardest hitters in all of baseball. So if Hernandez gets a hold of one, it's likely going out. I will say I think the two of you came up with a list of what ended up being four players that will have great seasons. I'm really excited to see all four of those guys. Uh, All right, we're going to take a look around the NFL, including the skills challenges that are happening at the Pro Bowl. We now have a list of participants. We will tell you who is actually going to be playing these games, and then we're going to get to a concern that we have about college basketball in Seattle. How do we fix it? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines Studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Bump, have you ever stolen anything? Yep. What'd you steal? Uh, when I was in 
seventh grade, I stole a CD from Target. It's called Harlem World. <gasps> and uh, I was with my boy. He got caught. I didn't. But I never stole after that because I was shook. Boy, I was shook. Wow. Curtis, have you ever stolen anything? Free games of uh, mini golf. Well, games of mini golf at Family Fun Center. We've talked about this. You guys were many bad times. kids. I know. <laughs> I never stole. Can't anything. show my face around there every day. I drive by it every day. I was a goody like... two shoe. Never stole. <laughs> All right. Let me get to my headlines here. Uh, Robert Kraft has called for Tom Brady to retire as a Patriot. He said he has and always will be a Patriot. Now, when Tom Brady goes in uh, to the Hall of Fame upon the first chance that he's eligible, obviously, um, I assume that it will be as a New England Patriot. Like, I don't even think Robert Kraft needs to say this. Tom Brady did great things with Tampa Bay, including winning a Super Bowl. But I don't think of Tom Brady as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. In my mind, he will always be tied to that New England legacy. Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, none. Was there any player uh, who's ever gone into the Hall of Fame? Curtis, you might know this more than I would. Any player in the Hall of Fame who went under a team that surprised you? I'll allow baseball as well. Uh, Where you were Randy like, why? John- well, I mean, maybe it's a little biased because Randy Johnson went in as yeah. a Diamondback. Uh, but he did win, I think, three of his four Cy Young Awards and won a World Series with Arizona, so that makes sense. Um... Greg Maddox didn't go in as an Atlanta Brave, which is interesting because I've always, that's how I envision him in my mind. Yeah. Uh, in the NFL, Don't usually guys who go in into the Hall of Fame in the NFL have spent their entire career with one team. Or yeah. the vast majority yeah. of it. Yeah. Although I will say that uh, Steve Hutchinson, when he went into the Hall of Fame, he spent most of his career with the Vikings, which is interesting because everybody remembers him as Seahawk. Mm-hmm. And I think he's done a lot more with the Seahawks in his post-playing days than he has than he ever has with Minnesota. So maybe that's one where he got most of his playing career with the Vikings, but yeah. seems to be more lauded here in Seattle. All right. Uh, the NFL has announced their rosters for all of their Pro Bowl challenges and, and uh, competitions. Now, I mentioned this earlier. I'm going to repeat it, though. The best catch camp competition will be headlined between uh, Justin Jefferson and uh, Stephon Diggs. But you're also going to have Patrick Sertan, the second, who's going to be representing the AFC, obviously. And then Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. Really excited for the best catch competition. Very, very excited, though, uh, for um, the longest drive, which I know is the one you're most looking forward to. I'm going to go ahead and say Justin Tucker wins that one. I'm not. No? Too small. But think of how much time he spends golfing. Big boys win that. You don't have to hit it it, exactly straight. Hey, but I Not everyone strong is good at golf. Yeah. It's the longest drive, though. Got to be strong. Okay. Um, But I didn't know Amon Ra made the Pro Bowl. I'm excited for that Aww, young man. I wonder if he was an alternate. Let's go. Don't matter. Yeah. It's on the wiki. It really doesn't. Uh, all right. This is another really cool one. There's going to be kicking tic-tac-toe. Uh, Justin Tucker, AJ Cole, Morgan Cox going to be represented. Our own Jason Myers is going to represent the number one in the NFC, along with Tressway and Andrew DePaula of the Vikings. I am here for kicking tic-tac-toe. I'm here in general for a Pro Bowl week right. that all they do is get elite athletes to play playground games. Like, there's going to be dodgeball. Micah Parsons is going to play dodgeball. That, what? <laughs> like, why would you not think that this is the most amazing thing? Yeah, I want to see Myers represent. What if we, what if Myers wins the tic-tac-toe? Gino wins his event. Gino's in precision passing. And then we have Tariq in what? 
Uh, dodgeball? Let me see. I just, I'm just looking for the Seahawk sweep. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, let me find the event. Pro Bowl champs, baby. Yeah. 2023 Tariq of the world. Yeah. is going to be in dodgeball. So Tariq Woolen's in dodgeball along with Demario Davis, Jair Alexander, Trevon Diggs, Micah Parsons, Jalen Ramsey, and then Tariq's in there for the NFC defense. Um, on NFC offense and dodgeball, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, C.D. Lamb, George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, Christian McCaffrey. You just have three 49ers in there. They're going to be like, hey, we all hang out anyways. So. <laughs> um, what would be your skills challenge? Mine would be dodgeball for show and uh, best catch. Best catch? Yep. You would never want to do like the longest drive? Long drive. I hit it far, but there's somebody hitting it like 300 plus consistently. Crazy. What if you were to pick your own skills challenge? What do you mean? Like make up my own? Yeah. Um, I Where you're like, do I don't care if there are NFL players doing drill. this. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care if there are NFL players doing this. I feel pretty good about my chances. Free throw competition. Yeah. My free throws are on point. All right. I'm just saying. Free throws win games. Curtis, what about you? What would be your skill competition challenge? Uh, trivia. Yes. Absolutely <laughs> trivia. Random trivia. Uh, well, well, what would yours be? Um, um, interior designing, interior design, holiday cheer, holiday cheer, gingerbread house making. Yeah. I think gingerbread house making. Nice. I, well, you I inspired this entire building. Yeah, to go that's a sensitive subject. Way beyond. <laughs> yeah. And what I should have done is put our gingerbread house out last so that we would have won. Okay. I don't need to revisit this. Now we know. We've moved on. All of us have moved on. All of us have put it behind us. <laughs> I'm not still bitter. Next up. Uh, Rihanna is going to be performing the halftime show. We all knew this, but guess who's going to be talking to her? Nate Burleson Nate. on the debut of friend his of new show. friend of the show on his new podcast called The Process. His very first guest is going to be Rihanna. It comes out this. I'm Sunday. not even. You know what, Nate? I'm not even mad that you text me back like a day later. Now I get it. <laughs> I understand. I know who you are in this world. Happy for my guy, Nate. But when I played with Nate, you always knew he had that personality. Like, he's going to do way more than football when this is over. Oh, we've, yeah. We've spoken to somebody who has spoken to Rihanna. That, when yeah. you think we, about it, it's like it's we've like spoken we've, we've, to Rihanna. Yeah. yeah. That's it's like our right. words have reached her ears. Exactly. I mean, for that matter, we've played in a Super Bowl by virtue of interviewing Turbo? Bruce Irvin and Turbo. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. That's how I think about it. I like I like the way you think. Yeah, we are tangentially related to a Super Bowl team. So facts. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Just saying. Uh, all right. Uh, next up in NFL headlines, we're going to get back to uh, some of the bigger stories here. Jimmy G not returning to the 49ers. Kyle Shanahan said he doesn't see a scenario with a veteran quarterback is back. There are plenty of potential landing spots for Jimmy G. I think he could end up with the Raiders who are certainly in need of a quarterback, but you see him with potentially another team bump. See him down in Texas with his boy Ryans, who got the head coach job over there. I think it's a perfect fit. His role in the NFL for now on is to be the guy to get the other guy ready, and I think that's what's going to happen down in Texas. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I could see that happening for sure. I could see, I mean, I think the Texans are going to take Bryce Young, mm-hmm. obviously. They get the first shot at a quarterback since if Chicago doesn't trade, they're taking defense. Um, I think for Jimmy G, it would just be a bummer to constantly be in that role. But hey, that's what your job is now. <laughs> that's what it is. That's, that's just how it is. I, I don't know how to tell you this. It just is what it is. Um, we have way too many people, by the way, disagreeing that I've never stolen anything. I think I would know if I've stolen something and I haven't. Okay. <laughs> It's just you two. True klepto blocks it out and just looks for that next steal. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. I just, like, don't. I've just never stolen anything. I've always been too afraid to do it. 
What if you get caught? That makes sense that you're too afraid. Okay. <laughs> that feels like an unnecessary shot that doesn't really need to be said, but it is what it is. Um, all right, we're going to get to this in four down territory, so I don't want to play too much of a spoiler here. But uh, head coach Kyle Shanahan, GM John Lynch of the 49ers have voiced their support for the emor- emergency quarterback rule change. Bump, you think this should only be done in the playoffs? Yes. We're going to talk about it more in four down territory, but what I'm going to ask is why not in the regular season? Just don't eat it. This, it is what it is. In the regular season, you coach, you have a week to make an adjustment, right? You, your quarterbacks go down. All right, who are we going to activate from the practice squad? In the playoffs, it's win or go home. So you want to make sure that you have a chance to at least be competitive. That's not what we saw. Stacy, you steal hearts daily. Oh, isn't that sweet? Shoot your shot. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, there's <laughs> that's a, absolutely I'm right. going to end with this one. Um, <laughs> there's a really great column uh, by Jeffrey Chidea, who was on with us a while ago. He's a fantastic writer, fantastic uh, analyst for NFL.com. His column is up right now. But it's about how the pressure has mounted for GMs, how in the past um, GMs used to be able to get a little more time. Like, you your job is never safe as a head coach or the head coach is always so forward facing that it's like, if you don't win, you're out of here. But now that's kind of transitioned to the GM role as well. This is Thomas Dimitrov, who's a former GM. Years ago, you'd get a chance to draft five quarterbacks, hire five coaches if you were the general manager. That's not the case anymore. Do you think that in general, NFL teams move on from coaches and now GMs way too quickly? I think so. I think that the way that they move on from GMs and coaches it's the same way that the NFL gets rid of players. You got three and a half years to figure this thing out. If not, then they're going to move on to the next. Well, and there's just like, if you look at some of the best teams, yeah, Nick Sirianni's a new head coach, but like for the most part, sometimes the best teams have stability. Like Kyle Shanahan wasn't especially popular when he first took over. In fact, when the 49ers uh, were really injured, they had every reason to look at that and say, that's why they're not winning. And you Mm -hmm. still heard some people say, well, Kyle Shanahan should be able to fix this. Like you just, I think when you've got a good thing, you got to be patient. And the 49ers were rewarded with a great season. They didn't end up going all the way, but I'm not blaming Kyle Shanahan for that one. All right. Coming up next, we are shifting gears here. We are going to talk college basketball. We were having this conversation in the sports pit, talking specifically about Husky hoops and uh, what we think is uh, is going wrong. But more importantly, like, how do you fix it? <laughs> how do you fix college basketball here? That's next. Live from the Alaska Airlines studio, this is Seattle Sports Station. You're listening to Bump and Stacy, Powered by Kitsap Credit Union. Would I say that Washington basketball is in dire straits or would I say it just needs a lot of help? I don't know. Some people would think there's a huge difference. Some people would think I'm overreacting, and some people would think it is in dire straits. What I'm going to say is it's suffering and that it could be a lot better. Bump, I know you're going to talk about this. There is too much local talent Mm. and too much local interest in basketball to have a program that is struggling this much and this this consistently. So what do we do? First of all, let's talk about kind of like the problem. How do we get here? What's the issue? Like, what are we doing? What's going on? Uh, you're not keeping local talent. And um, that has to do with several things, I think. You have to look at coaching. You have to look at the athletic department as a whole. You got to look at recruiting. Like Just the other year, class of 2021, you got uh, Paolo Banchero, number one player in the land. And he goes to Duke. Now, you understand 
Man, the allure of Duke. Duke. Yeah. And it was Shazeski's last year, I believe, and he wanted to be a part of that. He knew he was a one and done. But from what I hear, he, there was no consideration of UW. That same year, you got the number eight player in the country, Caden Perry, at a battleground. He goes to the Zags. I guess in state. I understand that. Um, and then you have Shane Noel, the number 19 player in the country, number four player in the state. He goes to Arizona that same year. You have the number five player in the state. He goes to Creighton. Now, I'm not saying that these guys are UW fits. Right. Maybe UW saw the way they played and was just like, you know what? That's not for us. But when I look at their profiles, I see no interest in the University of Washington. Yep, good point. You have to make these players be interested and want to go there and go on your trips or whatnot. But a lot of these dudes, I'm looking, no interest in University of Washington. They're looking elsewhere, and that's in basketball, and that's in football. I am a diehard Coug. I got my Coug shirt on right now. He but does, I, can confirm. I also understand that the University of Washington has more resources. It's in Seattle. It's more attractive. If Wazoo's not going to get them, which most time we're not going to get them, it has to be UW. So what does UW have to do to become more attractive? I remember coming up here in 2004, and all I hear about is UW, Nate Robinson, and him playing both sports and just the tradition of UW. And in basketball, that tradition is no longer here. In football, I think they're turning the corner. Yes. Um, you got Penix and those guys, and they the – Alum are spending money on these guys as well. NIL deals are huge. I don't know what's going on with the basketball program. It's weird to me because everyone I know loves basketball, loves it, and it's wild to me that the program has continued to struggle for so long without seemingly any changes. I know that, Curtis, you know this too, that there's more that goes into it in terms of like buyouts for uh, for Hopkins or whatever. But, like, I'm sorry, you've been a failing program for too long. Yeah, uh, Hopkins, after this season, his buyout shrinks down to about $6 million. And, I mean, you look at where the money is right now at UW, it's all focused towards the football program. Like, it, the reason why they were so quick to move on from Jimmy Lake is because they knew that there was such a passion for the football program amongst their boosters, and they knew they could raise the money in order to move on from Jimmy Lake as soon as they did. The basketball program, they have let the string play out on Mike Hopkins for a few years now. That year when they lost, or when they went 5-21, and 21, I think it was uh, the 2020-2021 season, which, I mean, it was played under the cloud of COVID. So That's still get, a gross season. Still, that is a record that is unacceptable no matter the circumstances. Um, they have not been able to recruit. And like you, to your point, Bump, this is one of the biggest recruiting hotbeds in America. You look at their last three teams – the leading scorer on each of those teams has been a transfer. It has not been a guy that Hopkins has recruited as a freshman. It was Quad A Green. It was Terrell Brown, who was a senior last year. And this year it's Keon Brooks, who came from Kentucky. So uh, it has not been guys who have been in the program for a long time. And the transfer portal game is is nice to play when you're maybe a piece or two away from contention, if you're a piece or two away from making a tournament run. But it's not how you build out your program. It's not how you build out – the, mo- the majority of your starting five, like Noah Williams, another guy, a transfer, Frank Kepning, a transfer from Oregon. Like you are <laughs> giving huge minutes to guys that have never, you know, played in your program before. And yes, they do not have, or yes, they have more experience than freshmen bringing them in, but like that is not a way to consistently build a winner in college basketball. Here's, here's my question too, um, Curtis. Does UW embrace the one and done? Because you look at these. 
these basketball teams around the country who are in it every year, they embrace the one and done. Look, come play for a year. You go out and you go to the NBA. What's what's that culture like with UW basketball? They have done it a couple of times in the past, and it has burned them every time. And I think there has been a, a big, uh, at least amongst Husky fans, where they don't want to bring in those types of players. Guys like Markel Fultz, Tony Roten Jr. was another one. Um, Marquise Chris, DeJounte Murray, those guys were all one-and-done players. Uh, and they're all super talented, and they all went on to – you know, experienced varying levels of success in the NBA. Um, but ever since, I think the Markel Fultz, Isaiah Stewart, Jaden mm-hmm. McDaniels, those were two one-and-done mm-hmm. guys as well, more recently, especially under Mike Hopkins. Stewart was great in college. McDaniels was very up and down, but McDaniels has turned into a very solid pro. Same with Isaiah Stewart. Um, but I think the way in which they went about building those teams, they did not have a a core group of guys that they added to with those one-and-done players where they tried to build around those guys who were only going to be here a year, which is tough to do. Because well, and why do it? Exactly. If you're only investing like six months into this one player, why build your entire season around them? Right. Because, like it makes no sense. Well, I'm, I mean, you get it in theory because it's like, well, he's your most talented player. Well, yeah, but it's a problem that you don't have more talent here. And again, the most salient point is the one bump made to start this, which is, and there's lots of talent to be had. Yeah, you aren't in, I don't know, Wisconsin, like some random place where it's like, oh, it's just not a lot of people <laughs> that are yeah. uh, that are going to be from there. Like, you have people, not just like oh, on the West Coast in California, in Seattle, in Washington State. There, you are running out of excuses to not have a great program. Mm-hmm. You well, are think, running out of excuses to not recruit better than you exactly. are. Exactly, and I think that was a big misstep in in the hire, Mike Hopkins which, yes, he had a tremendous amount of success his first two years, but that was mostly with the Lorenzo Romar guys. But you bring in an East Coaster, somebody who has never spent time on the West Coast in his coaching career. He was 20 years at Syracuse before taking the job at UW. How many inroads does he have on the West Coast uh, during you know his coaching career? The biggest recruit that Mike Hopkins has brought to Washington was was Isaiah Stewart. But Isaiah Stewart was born and raised out in New York. He was a Rochester kid. Like He is not Seattle. And... I don't see Isaiah Stewart hanging out in Seattle after his time at UW has, <laughs> has come to a close. Nah, he gone. I know. Well, I just keep thinking of, I don't mean to do cross-sport analogies or comparisons, but Deion Sanders recruiting uh, at Jackson State, and then obviously he'll do recruiting at Colorado. Like, he is so rarely talented, not just when he was an athlete, but obviously as a coach, right? Like, he has a kind of charisma that you can't just make up. But... I almost don't want to settle for the idea of like, oh, how are you going to compete with with Duke, and how are you going to compete with uh, even in in your um, conference with UCLA or even with Arizona? And it's like, get one or two guys. Sometimes that's all it takes. Just get that one guy, and then get that next guy, and then that next guy. Like you just that's how you recruit. They've not been good with it. If Gonzaga can be a national power, that's in what I'm saying. Thank you. Mm. Like a national power in Spokane. And there's no excuse for Washington. Yeah. Well, Washington got to step up their their international recruiting too, because the yes. Jags are great at yes. that. Yes. God. Okay. Well, uh, we are out of time to continue talking about this, even though it is a conversation that I both love and is getting me way too fired up. Uh, we're gonna switch gears here, talking Super Bowl, talking new coaching hires with ESPN's Max Kellerman. He joins us next.